0: Hi, this is Web 37 Daily, a 1.37 p.m. daily Twitter space about all things NFTs and Web3.
1: First of all, for everybody who's not familiar with me, my name is dot. I'm an artist based in Brooklyn. I do a lot of different stuff from hand-painted murals to animation to drawings on paper, all that stuff. Um, whether it's fine art or commercial art, I love collaborating with people and just exploring my style and my message as an artist, which a lot of the stuff I've been focusing on lately has been about uh, self-awareness, presence, making these continuous line drawings, trying to capture moments, and I've developed a style based around that, and it's really amazing to get calls from from brands like Chicago Bulls to to be included on that list uh, with all those other artists. So I guess I got a random email one day, that's how it came about, but obviously it's been a long journey of not getting emails like that <laughs> before uh, I was able to, I guess, attract those kinds of clients. So it's pretty wild to me still that these sports teams that I grew up watching are now starting to reach out. Uh, that that project is a fairly small one for me in terms of what I'm creating, but it's really exciting nonetheless. It's gonna be uh, 23 artists, myself included, is are all going to be designing their own version of the famous Chicago Bulls logo, which is the only, built, the only NBA logo, as, as I read, that hasn't changed in the 75 years of, uh, of the NBA. So it's really exciting. Just the idea of tradition mixed with this new technology and everyone's take on that classic Bulls logo is gonna be really cool to see.
2: Wow, that's so exciting. I'm sure that there's people that are both huge basketball fans, Bulls fans, and in the NFT space, that find this extremely exciting and yeah no Tyler you you're a huge basketball fan too right
3: yes massive we had one fun night as a Knicks fan this year it was opening night when we beat the Celtics in triple overtime since then it's been pain
0: Boo! (laughs) Celtics fan over here but (laughs) but we're doing uh, all right now but yeah
3: it's been it's been fun um you know just following from afar i thought we connected briefly you know on twitter and messages and uh you know as a as a big time sports fan and and seeing all your work and i know touching on the bulls what uh do you have kind of like an overall dream team or dream project or dream collab from a manifestation standpoint that uh now, now that you're starting to get in the mix and, and, you know, uh, traditionally you start working with a couple teams, leverage and more things, anything like grail for you?
1: Yeah, really good question. So this is my second NBA collab that I've gotten to do. So they're starting to, to pile up. Like first it was the the baseball cards that I was working on with tops. And then halfway through my second year of working with them, I got to do a project with the Cubs in Chicago, and that was just surreal, uh, creating something for Mental Health Awareness Month, which is this month again, so reflecting back on that project this year has been wild. Um, but i never gotten to do anything with the Yankees yet, so I think if I had to choose one sports team that's like my grail project, I'd love to collab with the Yankees. I grew up probably the most uh, going to Yankee games out of all the different professional sports. Obviously, you know my, my main passion is skateboarding, so I have a lot of dream projects um, sorry if you guys are getting an echo. By the way, thanks for letting me know, Erica. Um, I hear you I outing. Clear. No worries. sound good. A little better over here. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So I think that one's on my dream list. But since skateboarding is my main passion, I've been leaning more and more into that lately, and wanting to get more into that industry because for so long I didn't, I didn't really apply myself to try and get those kinds of clients. Even in the sports world, like the sports stuff, kind of fell fell into place over the last few years and it wasn't something that I like actively tried to attract to me. So now I'm taking that more strategic stance of like which industry, which sport, which brand do I really wanna go after? Um, Yeah, the Yankees up there and then just like some of my childhood favorite skate brands for sure.
3: What what are some of those brands?
1: Oh, you know, like Baker, Toy Machine, um, obviously Nike getting to do something with their skateboarding division would be rad. We just did a collab with Nike. And I say we is like my small studio that I have here in Brooklyn. Um, yep. I have, a, a, you know, a one full-time person that works with me and a couple part-timers sometimes, depending on the project.
3: Over the last year, one of the things I've thought most about is like that the characters from World Industries have literally made for NFT collections.
1: You know, yeah, I mean, fire, a lot of those, a lot of those brands from that era still hold their their IP like to a high to a high level like the skateboarding industry has high standards for creativity (laughs) so it's cool that a lot of those characters have stood the test of time.
2: I'm glad you brought up you know your passion for skateboarding was just going to ask you about your collaboration with the U.S. national skateboarding team what are you doing with them?
1: There it is there's the big news you just leaked it Erica (laughs) yes Um, I've been teasing these these uh, sketches and and drawings of skateboarders the last few weeks. Uh, the truth is, we've been, we've been talking about it since like the beginning of the year. And I guess I can tell the story of how it came about. And then I'll tell you what it's turning into. But uh, it was it started at NFT NYC last year. Uh, I was at a dinner. I got to meet up with this amazing dude who happens to be responsible for getting skateboarding into the Olympics. Which, for me, I just geeked out when I heard that that person's in the room with us. Um, And I didn't want to, like, overly approach them and pitch myself and whatever. I just tried to make a good connection and ask them a little bit about how it happened, because I was so curious. Like, growing up skating, I never expected to see it in the Olympics. It's a totally different kind of culture, you know, Um, that doesn't like to always keep score. (laughs) And so... Uh, The idea kind of came a few months after that dinner when he approached me after seeing what I was doing with tops with the baseball cards and wanting to do something similar for the skateboarding team. And I hadn't really seen skateboarder trading cards before or anything like that, but it was something that was in the back of my head. And so super excited to share that I'm doing 16 pieces for them, 16 illustrations one for each skateboarder, men's, women's, street and park. It's like a really good variety of skateboarders. And they're going to be turned into a set of trading cards as well as digital NFT trading cards. So really, really stoked on where it's going. Still got a couple months before it's going to be available, uh, most likely, but it's coming together.
2: Wow, that's extremely exciting. And I don't know if you wanted to do that later, but I just dropped that huge... Alpha and I'm just really excited. I was just way too excited and so happy for you because I know that skateboarding is just a huge part of your life, and it, I think that I think a lot of people don't understand how big it is for you. Like this whole full circle moment. So um, I just want to ask you about you growing up skateboarding. How has how had it become a huge influence on you and who you are?
1: Skateboarding is one of those things that teaches you a myriad of life lessons. And I assume that anybody who's passionate about their sport would would say something sort of similar, but I think skateboarding is really special for that. Uh, there's no teams, there's no rules, there's, it's just pure expression. And getting to be a creative artist type person and find a sport like that, or at the skate park, like when I found skateboarding, I felt like I found myself in a way. So... I guess I didn't see a a path for for many years of being able to make a living in that industry. A lot of friends tried and it was like you work at the skate park or you work at the skate shop for many years and then maybe you get a better job like working for a skate brand but they're so underpaid and I just like didn't want to go that route because I saw potential in my art and I figured you know later on I'll get to go through somewhere like in the in a back door somewhere I'll get back into the skateboarding industry because that was really where I did my I did see myself when I was younger uh working in this industry not necessarily doing trading cards but in some way shape or form like close to skating um and it's been this big wild roundabout path chips that i've been building in this world it feels like 10 years of time has passed since i like had this initial spark of yeah i can be an artist and i can make my way into the the skate industry eventually and it's like this huge just full circle moment like you said it feels wild and it's yeah. gonna be even crazier when you're yeah. out, you know, like holding that in my hand. There's also a little extra alpha is uh there's gonna be a special card for myself. So that'll be inserted into the set as a limited edition. That's sick. F did you collect cards for one to start growing up?
3: And then if if you did, let's talk about that a little bit. If you didn't, was there anything else that you may have collected uh, growing up?
1: Yeah, I collected all kinds of cards when I was growing up. And actually, my first business was with my brother. We would sell trading cards on the playground at recess, (laughs) like on this little push cart. And that was like my first little hustle with my brother of of going and getting our packs, like spending our allowance and like, you know, blowing it all on cards and then trying to flip them on the playground, basically, (laughs) and then get better ones. Um, That was like something we did for a while. But it switched from baseball cards to Pokemon and Magic and all different kinds of stuff. Eventually, I kind of put it in, put my favorite ones in a box, said goodbye for a few years, and it wasn't until getting to do, getting to do that Tops project that I kind of rediscovered my love for it and went back through those boxes. And the pandemic was a time where everyone was kind of going through um, through their old stuff and figuring out their hobbies. Like sports wasn't on TV, so it was kind of perfect timing to get back into it. I do also collect um, skateboards and, you know, a few other types of things. But I'm not a huge collector of uh, like anything beyond like cards, art, and skateboards.
3: Nice. Yeah. i Um. Addicted to all things sports cars and collectibles, and it's just been fun. Like the natural extension of, you know, NFTs. And I use the word digital collectibles a lot because for all the. To your point, the, the flipping, the, the business, I think that taught so many people so many things. And it's funny, like even skateboarding, like you kind of had to find a way to be even like a mini entrepreneur to fund like your deck breaks. Like, all right, I got to hustle to get some cash to get a new one or, you know, this that and, and there was so much teaching. There's the same with, you know, I think flipping cards and, and even, you know, myself was doing a lot over like the last three years and then the digital extension from an, an arbitrage from a lack of needing to store lack of needing to keep clean and take care of has like just been a fun natural extension for so many people and that crossover uh, i'm always in enjoyment of and and then tops is I, I think just done a really really good job in engaging you know the artist community for a lot of collaborations across their releases what have you so excited to hear that you were involved with that Erica, over to you
2: if you've got something. Yeah, I just think it's like just hearing about how much trading um, cards and collecting them meant to you guys and you creating this um, new opportunity for future generations to have this um, love as well and this experience. And it's going to be through art that you've created. I just think that's so surreal and so amazing. And you mentioned that you are, you know, now that you're um, getting prominent, you are more selective with the brands that you want to collaborate with because you want to feel like those are aligned with your values. How has being selective with who you work with helped you get to where you are today and being true to yourself?
1: Yeah. Super good question, Erica. Uh, I think in the beginning it's hard to be selective because you just don't have a lot of options. It's like either you hustle over here, you hustle over there, you get some work, you keep going until the next thing and yeah, maybe something might drop in your inbox and you get lucky, but in the in the first few years, it's like it's not really happening. Like no one knows about you. Your style's not uh, consistent as an artist, like getting started. So it's tough to be selective, and you kind of end up doing whatever, and then curating based on what you get in terms of prof- professional work. But there is always the constant of personal projects like even if it's 30 minutes a day 20 minutes a day like you have time to make a personal project so I did that from the very beginning and that started to attract different kinds of inquiries coming my way Um, specifically like mural opportunities and wanting to go bigger with my art instead of just making it for something that's printed or going to be thrown away the next day so just through my personal projects like trying to even if it was like a mock-up you know a a fake mural of a drawing that I superimposed onto a wall—it would just turn heads differently and, and have people think of me as that kind of artist. You know, I would always try to caveat and say this is a mock-up, but it's still attracting those better opportunities. So, uh, one foot in front of the other. You know, every year the inquiries have gotten a little bit better than the last, and I've had some slower years for sure. But that—that—that that, uh, that gut check of, you know, imagine if you said yes to the job—if you're not stoked maybe not worth taking it on unless you need the cash. So that selectivity of always trying to make sure you're course correcting, getting closer to being who you are um, through your projects, through your work, and getting to get paid for that, that special thing that only you can do, has just been my guiding compass. And it's hard to put into words. I have a few filters that I try to run my inquiries through if I'm not, if I'm not sure whether to take it on. But, I'm, but these days, more than ever, I'm trying to carve out time just for me to make my art with no collaborators. Honestly, it's hard.
2: I love that. I love that you have agency over all your decisions. And was there any like a time where there was like a big brand that reached out to you and it would have been a great opportunity, but then you just felt that something was wrong and you felt that you had to say no to it.
1: Yeah, there's been definitely some times where brands try to take advantage. Like it's a great brand. Uh, they have a good reputation in the public that is. And then when it comes to working with artists, they don't want to put their money where their mouth is, or they don't want to credit properly, or they're asking me to make something that's inspired by someone else's art instead of, instead of a general concept or my own art. So those are the, some of the red flags that I, that I see. It's, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of times it comes down to budget and you know, opportunity cost, because why would I say yes to something that's like below my minimum Rate when I know I'm confident that next week there will be another opportunity that comes in, that is willing to pay, right? So it's about building up that confidence over years. It doesn't happen quickly, um, but I'm grateful that that there are still people out there that some of them do really care and want to want to work with artists and treat them fairly. So I think we're moving closer towards that. People are waking up, seeing that artists deserve the respect and they do have a lot of value.
2: Yeah. And you said that when you were doing you know, jobs, you were also doing personal projects on the side. Was one of them your Blob character that you created, the iconic Blob?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't consider that like a personal project because it didn't really have a start and an end. It's just an exploration of my art. At that time, it was like four or five years ago, I was living in a different country. I was living in Argentina, getting influenced left and right by all kinds of different kinds of art, different kinds of artists, and learning Spanish myself and just really taking it in. Um, so during those couple years of, of being in Latin America, a whole new, kind of, a whole new style emerged, uh, whether it was through osmosis or just through the inspiration. Like, that really helped me feel confident to come back from that journey and build something new and reinvest like 100% into my, my business and my style. Um, and the blob is a huge part of that. The blob is hard to explain sometimes, but it's like, I hope that when people see it, they feel something, right? Some kind of reactions, whether it's, whether it's peace or, or they look inwards or the color palette means something to them. Like it's kind of this amorphous being that everybody can see themselves in. It doesn't have a gender. It's like very um, comforting for me to have that with me everywhere I go and to put it everywhere in a way. (laughs)
2: How has Blob changed and evolved as you've changed and evolved in your career as well?
1: So when I started drawing professionally, maybe seven, eight years ago, I was really focused on lettering and typography, believe it or not. And I love the, the spacing, the shapes, the different kinds of ways you can push and pull on the alphabet and create emotions just in the forms of the letters that kind of complemented the message. And so the Blob kind of came out of that. Being my letter forms were blobby. Then I just kind of lost the letter forms. I lost the, the the sort of overt messaging of the lettering, but kept this the forms. And then over the years, it's gotten more and more abstract. I've latched onto line work and color as something that every day I'm like excited to explore and like play with those elements. You know, just how can I make it different than I have before? How can I give some kind of little breakthrough? That feels slightly different, you know, where that repetition with variation, um, and I like that the blob can almost feel like an energy sometimes, and not like a character, more like something that is pulsing. It's invisible. It's out there. It's like evolving. It's it's just like us. It's it's changing. So, I'm I'm sort of embracing more of the um, the conceptual idea of like the blob isn't a thing. It's an energy <laughs> these days.
2: That's a great explanation. I feel like a lot of people know about the blob but they don't know the story behind the blob and also that it's not just a character and that you said it's an, it's an energy as well. So thank you so much for explaining. And that makes total sense with um, everything that you just said about um, your life and everything. Um, and you've created so many different platforms of art. You know, we've talked about trading cards. You mentioned murals. Um, we talked about clothing a little bit out of all of those. What, what is your favorite or do you have a favorite?
1: It's tough to say, I, I like going through the seasons, especially being on the East Coast. you really feel the seasons, so murals are my favorite when it's warm out, and I can be outside working with my whole body, having conversations, you know drinking a beer and painting. Uh, that's like my my favorite medium, but what, I also like the contrast. I like in the winter months when I can just have a quiet day in my studio and paint on paper or um I do like the physical. I, I find myself going back to the physical, even with all these options and all these tools, I, I think I'm just like really in the flow more when I'm, when I'm with, a, with a actual pen with actual ink instead of drawing with pixels. I come up with better ideas. And then of course, I'll end up refining them digitally later or photographing the mural and then cleaning it up a little bit or whatever. It's a big combination, but th- that's my, like, my, my gut answer of that is murals and then painting on paper.
2: I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And just, what is something that I, I I've just been, you know, you're very, very, you're very true to yourself, um, through your art, through the way that you express yourself. Something that I've noticed and really respect about you. What do you think is something that people misunderstand about you or your art sometimes?
1: Something that people misunderstand about me or my art. Hmm. Um. Hmm. I think a lot of people found me through the the baseball card project uh because of just the sheer number of cards that were printed. And people assume that my dream is to like keep like to just make more of that all the time. It's like it's all in good balance, you know. There's people find me through one thing and assume that they, you know, they have to put me in a box to kind of understand what I do because it's like very amorphous. <laughs> uh so I think the misunderstanding my potential is really my biggest thing is like, there's so much I've yet to explore and I don't want people to think that I'm just like a line artist or a painter or a one kind of artist. It's just, they, they misunderstand the potential that every artist has in them.
2: Yeah, I I definitely agree. I think a lot of people, especially people who haven't been with you on your journey um, since the beginning, um, even before NFTs, they they think of you as they put you in that line artist category. And, you know, through this space, we've definitely established that, you know, you're so multifaceted, you've had a history in art for so long now. And um, that's why I didn't want to make the NFT part such a huge part of what we're talking about, but it it, it is something that has shifted um, your career. So I just wanted to ask you, you know, how NFTs kind of changed the way you do art and the kind of audience that you've brought in through these two years or one year.
1: Such a good one. Yeah. Uh, I just pinned up another, piece by the way that's like a sketch and final that I'm working with and I'm probably going to end up taking these down because I'm not supposed to leak these so early before they drop so check them out if you're uh, looking at your screen if you're you're just driving don't look at your screen Uh, but I guess NFTs came in at a time when I was in transition I was finishing up my or I was starting off my second year of the Tops project and it's pretty all-encompassing like I didn't want to I don't half-ass anything that I do. I didn't want to to half-ass that project just to get it done quicker, so I kind of went throughout all of 2020 and 2021 like doing a new piece every two weeks for that project, like taking my time with it. And so I was like head down working on all these pieces for my commercial work, but it also felt like the biggest opportunity I ever had, so I wanted to give it my all. Didn't feel like just some other commercial work that I was doing, you know, that stuff is forever in sports history and I care about it, so. Uh, it was hard to, to dive into NFTs right away when I was so busy in the physical realm doing physical collectibles with them. And I was like, there's got to be an opportunity here because people kept comparing the, the trading cards to NFTs and saying, oh yeah, if, like, people who like NFTs also are kind of the same personality of people who like trading cards. Like, it's just the collector mindset, um, wanting to express yourself through the things you own. And some of that is sports, some of that's art, and why not combine them both? I guess I was, left, I was just noodling on it for so long and eventually jumped in. And over the, the, I guess, one year or so that I've been in the space, it's freed me up so much to, to feel like anything's possible, to feel like some of my, my big, big dream projects, like, they're possible in the next few years. Like, it's not it's not impossible um, to do some of the things. When you see these things happening left and right in the NFT space, artists fulfilling their dreams, it just, it just all feels possible, so. I feel like I'm pivoting away from doing what I need to do to make money to keep going, making art, which is how I felt doing a lot of commercial work. And I'm more like really leaning into what is the legacy I want to leave behind, both on the blockchain and in real life. And it just feels like it's all possible. So really grateful for the, the tech evolving and being in the right place at the right time to like learn about it in 2020 and 2021.
2: Yeah, you really carved that lane for yourself to do what you love and stay true to yourself, as I've mentioned, and even in NFTs, you know, the people that I've noticed that you align yourself with are people who really share your values too. I know that the NFT space can be very negative, can be very toxic, but I, I just felt that you've really stayed level-headed throughout. Um, and you mentioned that it has changed a lot of other people's lives too. Is there any examples that you wanted to talk about um, with people that you knew that got into NFTs as well al- around the same time as you that kind of changed your lives as well?
1: Yeah, so a uh, few people know this, but I got to do a mural with uh, Cool Man Coffee Dan like four years ago, five years ago. And we had none of this on our radar when we were painting that mural. You know, we, we didn't expect to be making. Uh, collections of, of NFTs at all, so it's just cool to, to see him go through the process. He already had a huge brand uh, before NFTs, so maybe not the best example. But there's been you know dozens of Instagram friends that I made over the years uh, turned into real life friends, and then they kind of made the transition with me over to uh, to Twitter and just spending more time over here with with people who either respect the art more, uh, are willing to support it more, or we're we're in this like beautiful um, symbiotic relationship together that you just can't really get in other spaces with, with art. It's a lot harder, a lot more uh, you know, gatekeepers in, in other spaces. So that was one example. I'm trying to think of another specific person uh, that I rode with. I'm really excited for my friend Jimena. Her name's uh, Jimena Jimenez. <laughs> I spent a lot of time with her when I was living down in Argentina. She's not from Argentina. She's from Colombia but she's like just now understanding it, getting into it, and I'm like coaching her, helping her. We have other friends from, from Columbia that are kind of in a group text, and it's just beautiful to see like people wrap their head around it and feel like they can do it too, because they can. It, it, it takes a lot of self-belief and a lot of consistency like in any space, but this space really rewards those who show up more than others. you know.
2: For sure. And thank you for sharing about Coleman Coffee Dan. A lot of people are huge fans of him in the NFT space. I had no idea you guys knew each other that long before. That is incredible and so cool that you guys are both both on the come up or just actually not even on the come up, have have gone through the come up, if you will. Um but yeah, I just want to emphasize what F dot pinned up here the sketch in the final like he said that I think he might have to delete it later but it's so cool it's about the new project um that we mentioned in the beginning of the space um what who are those people in um the sketch if you don't mind sharing
1: so there's uh 16 skateboarders that I'm illustrating the one that's in that sketch up there is a skater named Heimana Reynolds he's from Hawaii and so there's eight men and eight women on the team. This was just one of my favorites that I wanted to pin up, it had so much motion and energy in it. And the cool thing about the cards is it's like a small enough collection where you can spend a lot of time on each piece and make them special, make them tell the story of the person as much as deep as I want to go really, as much time as I have. Um, and then have enough uniqueness like between the different cards. It's not overwhelming because it's only 16 but I can play with my style. I can push my style. I can change something about it that like maybe that inspires the next collection. And it's not just about feeding these images, these, you know, these portraits through a filter. It's very much about like storytelling and exploring my own style. So um, this one for Jemana Reynolds was one of my favorite. He's doing a Madonna air, which is like a huge grab, you know, eight feet up in the air. You kick one leg down, it's like really sick. Um, some of the other skaters that are on the team, you guys can go check them out on their website on uh, USA Skateboarding, where they have videos and stuff. Uh, but there's Deshaun Jordan, there's Nigel Houston, there's um, Mariah Duran, there's Jordan Barrett. There's like three people named Jordan on the team, kind of funny. There's a, a few skaters that I hadn't even heard of. Of course, a few that I had heard of, but it's a good mix. You know, It allows me to kind of get to know some skaters that I had been following for many years, and then also some brand new ones that are just, you know they're training for for this Olympics in like two years and just the improvement is just wild to see when you have a coach teaching you how to skateboard, you know, like some of these people on the women's team, they're like in their teens, 15, 16 years old, they're just learning new tricks every day. So it's really inspiring for me to watch them practice too.
2: Have you skated with them yet?
1: You know, not yet. Uh, There was an event last month where all the skaters got together. They announced the team officially um some of my art made an appearance at the event, but I didn't get to go and hang out. I w- it was just bad timing. I was sick as well. Uh but we still have time. They're going to be doing a bunch of contests this year and we're talking about doing some kind of event when this collection finally launches in the next 2 to 3 months, probably out on the West Coast. Um, and that will be the time I get to skate with them.
2: Oh my god, how exciting. Um what is your favorite place to skate?
1: I love the skate park down the street from my studio, which is called Cooper Park. Just love uh, on an afternoon, on a sunny afternoon like today, just texting some homies and meeting up there for a casual session, like maybe an hour. But besides that, if I could go anywhere in the world, I would go to Barcelona. Again, that's like the Mecca of skateboarding. Um, If you watched any skate videos over the last 20 years, you've probably seen some spots that are in Barcelona. Just the architecture is so wild and interesting and I I one day dream of, like, being an architect in a way that can, like, create spaces that are meant for skating. And Barcelona is, like, one of my biggest inspirations.
2: Wow. And since you dreamed it, we're going to do a space in, like, a couple of years. And that's going to be, like, hey... I I'm an architect now and I'm definitely hoping that you know you don't
1: forget that you (laughs) did the space with us when you're like super like (laughs) crazy crazy famous so I've been talking about it for a while like the idea of making sculptures that are skatable. just that combination of what I'm doing on 2d paper right like the shapes the negative space the forms but like mixing that with how do we design those shapes? How do we design that in three d but make it skatable? uh it's not the way I typically think when I approach my art, but my brother and i uh were just in the studio yesterday and he's he's a not a three d renderer he's like an engineer, but he knows how to render things. We were just starting to play around with it, and like you know who knows it might be less than a few years. We don't know get, get like wow. one 0 out there
2: I have to your brother as well just like a whole family of artists
1: yeah, he's an engineer., uh, he doesn't really call himself an artist, although I think he's a, a talented artist. he's He likes to work with artists and kind of help them make their vision doable in in metal or or wood or whatever whatever material they're doing so that it doesn't fall apart so that it's usable, reusable, modular, et cetera. He can like engineer anything.
2: Wow, awesome. Tyler, is there anything else you want to ask, Nick?
0: No, no. I think. um, Well, actually, you know what's really funny. I, for some reason, what um what stuck for me for from your story is just about the early days and the early um, in elementary school. I I wonder, you know, what things about um going around the playground and um you know working. Uh, trying to make the flip next flip or trying to, you know, be able to sell the cards. What did that teach you about work ethic and just, um, you know, entrepreneurial spirit?
1: Yeah, man, it was so long ago. It feels like uh, hard to remember what was going through my head. Like I never once called it flipping even. I just said it was like a little business that I had uh, because I wouldn't buy with the intention to sell. I would hopefully buy to get something that I wanted to keep. (laughs) And then I would sell the ones I didn't want to so I could buy more of the ones that I wanted. Um, But like back then, I think I was just focused on on like collecting and having fun with my brother and I wasn't really learning entrepreneurial, (laughs) like I wasn't studying the the sales and like getting better at the business side of things really. I think I just learned that there, there could be fun to be had, right, like there's fun to be had in this realm of business or in this like collecting creating sphere like there's there's a lot of games that you can have with art and with with uh with numbers in a way so I I like exploring that in in just a lot of different ways and I think that's something I've held on to of just uh making things that are special collecting things that are special I want to be buried when I die around special things that I've collected over the years and like I, I I don't know I guess the the seeds were planted back then when I was seven years old, like on the playground.
0: While we're waiting uh, for some, you know, someone to, to raise their hand, um, I think I said we got we got somebody right here. We'll bring him up. Um, you know, what's um, what's something that um, that I, I feel like that there's there's so much to your career uh, so far. Um, are there any other things that um? we feel that we didn't get to really highlight um, that, that deserves uh, a spotlight uh, F dot.
1: Just different pieces of my, my past, like the, the things, the jobs I've done, the projects that I've made, you mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah just yeah, anything yeah, that anything like sticks, sticks, out, sticks you. out
1: you. Hmm. I think it's a really exciting opportunity to be able to bring, to like help other brands come into the space. So I haven't done a project quite like that yet, uh, but coming up with the Bulls, coming up with a couple other teams and brands, like I'm excited to do more of those and see how I can help these brands come in authentically and work with artists that are trusted and just make some really cool stuff, but throw a stamp on it and all of a sudden it's it's much more widely seen, you know? Getting to do something with, with a brand really helps the artist and it helps the brand as well, so. That's one, and then uh, I've had a really great partnership with Nifty Gateway the last few months. Uh, I did two verified drops there, uh, with the first one being kind of related to my baseball card work and a bridge for collectors to join me and come into the space. So that's been really cool, and then I have another Nifty Gateway coming up, Nifty Gateway drop coming up at the end of this month. That's gonna be my first curated drop, so that's really exciting for me to to take over the homepage, a little nervous, but working on that stuff right now also has a a skate theme to it. It's going to be really fun.
0: That's fantastic. I think um, think, think, um, the person that we were going to bring up just got rugged, unfortunately. unfortunately. So So I think we can pass it it off to either either Shammy or or, uh, uh, Ezra, which who, who runs um, the main account for one 37 PM. Um, I feel like there's, you know, Maybe Shami actually, more particularly. I think he had something else to say before, but um, go right ahead, Shammy.
4: I'm going to be honest. I didn't have anything top of mind at the moment. You're putting me on the spot a little bit here. Uh, uh, but I, I'm going to use this next 10 seconds to come up with uh, a quick question. And I think the question is going to be, uh, and forgive me, uh, forgive me Eric, if, you, if you've talked about this previously, but has there had been times when working with bigger brands such as Nike, et cetera, et cetera, where you wanted to create something, but you had some sort of restriction that hasn't allowed, that, that limited you from going in the direction that you wanted to? And how did you navigate that, that, uh, that creative block if so?
1: That's a really good thing to bring up. It's one of like the less glamorous sides of doing brand partnerships is the larger the brand, the more layers of approval there are and the more potential, uh, at some of these brands, for the ideas to get watered down or changed throughout that process, and then of course you've already signed the agreement. So what are you gonna do? Bail on the project? No, it's you know you adjust it until everyone's happy, um, or at least that's how I was taught when I was uh, in design school. I didn't learn to just be a fine artist that works with brands. I learned how to like fulfill the client's goals, and one of them is that they like the design. So. It's tricky, it's a tough balance with certain brands that they wanna be really heavily involved. Sometimes I just say no to the project or I charge more money based on how involved they wanna be. (laughs) You know, I try to like make sure that I'm not overcommitting there with the number of revisions or whatever. Always try to get on the same page in the beginning of the project with some upfront language and and like a, a board of images of my past work that we all kind of agree is a good starting point. But, yeah, there's been times where they want to change it, and I don't want to change it, and it just is a standstill for a while. and it can be um there's been things that I've kept out of my portfolio because i I was really excited at one point, and then some things went south. But it's just part of the game. like we learned that pretty early on in in commercial art, like not every project is meant for the portfolio, and not everyone is going to be your favorite. And so that's just the trade off. You get access to their audience and their name essentially in exchange for. Taking the risk of yeah maybe you're gonna have to compromise a little bit on your art, and the more stubborn you are, yes, the more uh, true to your vision you're being, but you're also not being very easy to work with. So it, you got to find your balance there of what you're willing to what, what hill are you willing to die on, and which ones are you going to let go and say okay maybe this one just doesn't go in the portfolio. But if you wanted a, a specific example, you know I'm I'm I loved working with Nike, have yet to design a shoe, really excited <laughs> wanting to, wanting to design a shoe uh, hasn't happened yet. So that was one of the things where early on I was like, Hey, let's work together. Sure. But what about a shoe? So maybe in the future it'll happen, but, uh, not every, not every project goes your way. And it, and it's obviously not, you know, we're not the center of the universe. Like the brands have goals too. So it's cool to meet them halfway as well. Well, I do
4: hope you do get that shoe and that co-sign very, very soon. So, uh, I'll be on the lookout for that in the near future or
1: or the future to come, you know, It'll happen. I'm I'm manifesting a Nike SB Dunk. Oh, even better. Okay, love that. Is that
4: I'll your favorite
1: silhouette from
4: the from the Nike just collection in general?
1: Yeah, it's just like the shoe that I grew up skating.
4: You know, makes sense. Yeah. High top or low top or mid?
1: Uh, low or mid would be my preference. And uh, before anyone hates on me, no, I wasn't skating two hundred dollar dunks. I would just go on eBay and buy, find, like, whatever, 50 bucks, 40 bucks for a pair of dunks and skate those. We're not hating if you want to look good when you skate. No worries. No <laughs> worries.
5: I always I always find it interesting that um, skaters will buy, like, expensive clothes, and then they're, like, so prone to crashing and messing their clothes up. I just find that so fascinating. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's just then, part of this it. is part of it. I think that was something I wanted to touch on earlier is like this the year after year of like just trying trying things on the skateboard it just teaches you persistence. It teaches you like this culture of we don't get down on ourselves when we fall down. We pick ourselves back up and we try again and we encourage other people around us if they fell down that they might need some encouragement to try again. Um, and I think a lot of the, the way that I show up online, even though you know, I, lately I've been taking breaks because it's just hard to keep up with everything. But when I do show up online, I try to be giving, I try to be honest and, and authentic. Uh, and a lot of that just comes from my attitude at, at the skate park, like the same thing that I grew up developing of look out for each other, yeah, take care of yourself, don't push yourself too far. All these, all these lessons came through skating. But they apply to business, they apply to art. Um, you learn, learn it wherever you can, right? For me, it was skating, but for the next person, it might have been uh, yard work or something like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, just another reminder, guys, if you have a question for FDOT, just raise your hand. We'll bring you up. And the POOP, if you missed the secret word, it is lettering lowercase because we are honoring FDOT's roots.
1: My 25-year-old self is smiling right now.
0: I think uh, a lot of people are actually tweeting it out at the moment. Um, They're in love with uh, the PO app we were able to put together. So just shout out to you for putting that.
1: Ooh, thank you everybody for sharing and for being here. This is pretty surreal. Like trying to pretend that there aren't a bunch of people listening because I don't think I've ever spoken in a space this big before. (laughs) I love it. I love it.
2: Um, I remember we were on a space really early on and like when NFTs were just like starting to get big and I remember we had just connected and I brought you up. I thought and I was like talk talking you're like I don't really talk in spaces and I was like yes you do. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that.
1: Yeah I, I do. It's it's definitely a chicken and the egg scenario when you're getting into the space because yeah I have all this experience coming from you know building my brand outside of NFTs and and it wasn't it didn't feel small. It felt like you know, getting into six figures was, was a big deal for me. Like passing some mile marks with my business, like before NFTs, uh, to feel like, yeah, I can do this long-term and then coming in and like, yeah, sure. I can share my knowledge and share my experience and just get to know people as well. But I don't have much to share in NFT rooms. Like when you're just, when you're, you don't have much to share when you're just getting started. So I was very quiet for the first few months, just like being a sponge learning. I, I'm still like getting used to, uh, to sharing my experience on these spaces but it's always good when I do and I'm just so grateful that you guys run these things for artists to help them break out of their shell and thank you Erica for seeing me you know months ago when I was so shy or a year ago even um just getting into into Twitter really
0: I'd love to hear that that's crazy I think we um I think we have someone up for a question uh oh, yeah, Lisa yeah. is that how you pronounce your yeah. name no no pa lisa ba- hello uh, yeah, yeah welcome do you have a question
4: yeah i do have a question man hey you've thought um nice story man <laughs> so i have a question about um like what are the like some of the i guess you know barrier to entries that you would see other artists that they might face when they are making their journey into nfts artists who might not have had the same privileges as you may be.
1: For sure. So uh, are you referencing like the hesitations of artists joining the space or just like the roadblocks? Like let's, let's say they have the determination to join, but there's like... like gas fees, yeah, that kind of stuff. stuff. Yep. So the, yeah, I guess when you're getting started in NFTs, it's like you have to figure out your, where you're at with your, your own personal portfolio and your brand and whatever funds you can invest into getting started Um, there are a number of people that are just helping cover gas fees for new artists and I love to see that uh, on the timeline of just like friends helping helping each other or asking for help getting that help to cover minting fees if they want to jump onto Ethereum Um, I think just like getting into speak on a stage and have people listen to you right like people don't necessarily not always wanna interview someone that they just heard of. So it's it's showing up. It's just like the time really is is the barrier. Um, I, I don't think that, I think there are a lot of personalities in the space that sort of are designed to be here, right? Like they, the the humor uh, is the one thing that I, I didn't used to qu- like tweet funny things when I first got on Twitter. Like I wasn't, that's not the kind of thing that I do. I don't have like Memes that I tweet. I don't have short little quippy thoughts that I come up with for Twitter. So just like getting the culture down is 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 a little tricky in the beginning, and I still I still struggle with that, honestly. Um, but yeah, just being yourself is like the antidote. I want to say that that there's more to say here, but like I, I don't have a roadmap for any artists that didn't take the same route as me. I can just share my experience, really. Did you have any like follow up question on that, or did that answer a little bit?
4: No, no, for sure. Actually, that is perfect, man. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, but if if there are any artists out there who are struggling or just need a little encouragement or a boost, um, help them get feedback on their collection. Like, I was thinking about starting something soon to critique work because I, I see that there's a lot of talk about, about pricing but not as much talk about the substance of the art and a lot of a lot of, um, about how to curate and, and present your work is just something I have a lot of experience with. And I want to help more people with in between the gaps of my project. So still figuring out where that exists, whether it's in my Discord with stolen artists or uh, on Twitter. But if anybody wants to do that, feel free to DM me. I think it would be cool to make a little group of artists helping each other out. Uh, That's it
4: for me, man. Thank you again.
1: For sure. For now, I have something like that in my Discord. Uh, with Stolen Artists. We have a little art share channel where we all share our pieces, but thinking about making something a little more formal where we can really go deeper and get to know what the artist's goals are instead of just like, here's some art. And what do you think?
2: (laughs) Here's some art. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. And thanks for offering to do that. A lot of artists, you know, they don't respond to DMs with people asking for advice. Um, They think they're above that when they reach a certain level of success so I really really respect and admire that you offered that and even have a group for that too
1: yeah it's it's a small but dedicated group of artists that are that are in our server it's it's pretty cool to see it slowly grow over time and getting to connect in person has really helped like I, I have a much easier time community building when there's an event happening versus uh all just on online so I hope that many of you, if you're listening, either came to the open studio that was last month or are thinking about coming to the to NFT NYC where I'll be doing another open studio. Just a lot easier to get to know people face-to-face for me. Um, but yeah, always, always down to talk with other artists about what they're doing, because I, I just take away so much from that too, like getting inspired to see things in a different way. I'm standing here looking at my girlfriend's art. And it's like all hand-woven pieces and it's just so so different from what i do and i love that energy of like bringing a different type of artist into the space but being face to face
2: epodo epodo please share your
4: question thank you erica hey what's up guys hi f dot uh i absolutely love your art uh the pod was just amazing and I wanted to say two things. The first one is that I'm a huge Bulls fan, Chicago Bulls. Uh, I cannot wait uh, to see what you're gonna come up with. And secondly, I heard that you live in Argentina. I'm originally from Venezuela and I'm currently living in Argentina, in Argentina. And I wanted to ask
1: if living here uh, influenced uh, a lot of your artwork. Yeah, I don't think it was Argentina specifically. That I like latched onto something there. I think it was just that whole time of traveling around to different Latin American countries and like learning the language, learning the culture, learning the values, you know, just immersing myself and being very uncomfortable day to day, like not being able to have regular conversations and get what I needed at the grocery store. Like it was it was a time where I didn't have time to do other personal projects and I was just focusing on assimilation, really. Like it was two years that I was down there. After the first year, you start to feel like, okay. I know this this culture better, you know, that I can I can really have a conversation at least and and go deeper if I'm curious on things. Uh so after a year of just like getting assimilated, yeah, my art had changed, but I wasn't measuring it up against the things around me and I was traveling outside of Argentina a lot, so I don't think it was just that one city, that one country that, that influenced me. I was really influenced also in in uh, in Mexico, getting to see some of the ruins and and some of the um indigenous art that I just really, really like latched onto certain geometries, color palettes, like things that I'm excited to like bring it right back to Mexico this year. Like I've been talking with with some friends that make rugs down there, and they they work with artisans, and we're talking about just like, taking that inspiration and bringing it right back to the communities that that I, that kind of inspired me when I was down there, um, doing a collab with them, maybe helping them get into the NFT space. So. Yeah, it, it, was, it was just that time, like 2018, 2019, where I was traveling more than ever, like every couple of weeks, and taking in a lot of new inspiration. Cool. I do want to go back to Argentina. If you, end, if you ever end up there, you got to take some photos and let me know how the murals are looking, because it's been a few years and haven't seen any updated pics. <laughs> if they're Oh yeah, absolutely.
4: Or... Uh, we, we actually even have murals of the Warrior Yacht Club, and the NFT movement here is huge, so uh, I'll be later. more than glad to have you back
1: that's awesome Ar- they're, they're, yeah you got nft murals in venezuela and argentina you
4: said? no in argentina i i live in argentina right now buenos aires
1: yeah are you in palermo
3: actually i do live in palermo yeah
1: that's where i was too <laughs> we gotta connect off this show sure. and, uh, and talk more
0: the Polo's awesome, a huge yeah. friend of uh 137 big part of our community so um yeah I, he's uh he's definitely great for sure and also um you, you know 137 is also um, funny enough, we're large, very large, uh, rug enthusiasts and I'm talking physical rugs, not, uh, <laughs> not NFT space rugs, but, um, uh, actually the person that runs a 137 account, he makes rugs. Uh, so that's just something a little funny, uh, tidbit. Maybe there's a collab there or something down the line. It'd be fun.
1: Yeah. The rug is, I feel like every time I say rug, I'm going to get rugged. Um, But the the textile inspiration is huge. Like I've just always been drawn to that. Um, Some of those restrictions of like, what do you do when you have this set of limitations, whether it's like a paint marker or a grid, or I love that idea of like giving yourself constraints and just seeing what flows out. And once you find those tools that you're really comfortable using, whether it was like inspired by a traditional craft or something new, uh, it kind of just gets addicting of how do you use the same set of tools, like a like if you were to make a rug on like a grid? Like, how do you do it differently? How do you re- make it fresh and just keep reinventing? Uh, there's something there's something magical about those traditional crafts where they they figured it out before we did, you know. Um, I feel like I, I could definitely add a little bit on the rug
5: stuff. Like, it might be a little bit of a tangent. But are you, do you do like the tufted rugs, like with the rug gun and like, you know, put the yarn through or is it more of the, um, I forget the name, there's different techniques, but do you do the tufted rugs?
1: I did one workshop that was about tufted rugs and we do own a tufting gun and a frame, but we haven't been using it much lately. Uh, The rugs that we're kind of working on are really early stages right now. Not sure how they're going to be made yet, probably a little bit of both this year, but that like... I love that physical side of the business too. Like getting into NFTs has changed the way that I approach uh, putting my art out, but I still come back to like, how do we bring that physical experience to people that you just can't get through a screen? And the rug is just one of many ideas we have. Um, But I've done the tufted thing. Also, you know, learning with, with other techniques. I think I'm probably gonna end up outsourcing it. Like I don't wanna be the one tufting or weaving all the rugs, but I do wanna be involved in the process and ideally support some artisans who have been doing it for longer than I've been alive.
5: Yeah, I I love the idea of having like physical, like work with your hands off of a screen. That's kind of why I originally got into the rugs, just because it's like away from tech, you know, we're on tech so much, especially people in the NFT space, looking at screens and making art on screens. And then, you know, you just put a podcast on or some music and just, you know, go to work. With your hands, I think there really is something special about that, and definitely, I'm sure you would encourage, just like I would encourage people to, you know, try something out like that. You know, try and express yourself creatively with these these traditional techniques, and you know, in a way that's off of screens. I think that is super valuable. Like it's hard to put into words, like just how rewarding it is to put in that kind of work outside of the screens and the tech that we're so involved with every single day.
1: Yeah, and I think when I first got into this space, I thought that everything had to be animated and everything had to be 3D and so digitized. But there is a market for each style of art. And if, if you really like the hand-painted textures or another medium that's just super physical, like there's someone out there who really loves it and like just as much as you do. And for me, I, I, just, I feel more in the flow. I get better ideas when I'm working with my hands. I, and uh, the, the digital tools are really just for refinement. Uh, or, or adding animation, you know, onto something that was created before. But it's so, it's so early. I think, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not talking about for NFTs. It's, it's a cliche to say, but it's like, uh, for me, for me playing with digital tools, for artists playing with digital tools, we don't really know how we're gonna look back on the traditional craft uh, in a few years from now. Like, is it gonna be so integrated where you don't even know what was made physically, what was made digitally? anymore. Um, I see a lot of pieces where I just don't know anymore. And it, does, it gets out of the way in a way. But for the artist, that process is sacred and whatever process is, is meaningful for you and helps you keep creating is, is the one that we got to try our best to hold on to. Even if it is 10 times, 20 times, 100 times slower than whatever is trending.
2: Great questions, everyone. I think this is a really good time to wrap up. Um, we're really glad that we got to know dot in such a deeper way than just, oh, he is, you know, the artist for Nike or Chicago Bulls or just a line artist. You know, he's so much more. Um glad we got to talk about skateboarding and how that ties into his newest announcement. And I'm glad that we got to ask you so many questions meaningful questions and we thank you for your meaningful answers as well
1: thank you so much erica thank you everybody at 1 p.m uh can't wait to follow along with all the other artists you're supporting just thank you for running these spaces it means a lot and uh, for all the good questions if anybody wants to connect with me afterwards do not hesitate to send me a dm and obviously look out for more updates on this USA skateboarding collab. We are sending off the physical stuff to production pretty soon. And then whenever those are in hand, the plan is to launch physical cards and NFTs at the same time. So that'll probably be in two or three months and we'll we'll be doing more spaces. I'm excited that now that the news is out there, I can finally start talking about like the individual skaters and like sharing their stories and getting the, you know, the announcement out of the way has been awesome. So thank you for, for giving me the space to share about it. I got to go get back to work on this upcoming nifty drop though as well. This is like, a lot of projects happening at once. Uh, that's that's the, that's the life, right? The artist life, just juggling all the balls.
2: Awesome! Thank you so much, guys.
0: Thank you, and make sure to check this out on uh, on Web thirty seven. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find this whole recording, um, and uh, with uh, F Tot and every other wonderful artist builder uh what have you in web3 um just check the pinned tweets much love to everybody who joined and uh special special shout out to fdot and um chasm um y'all were wonderful and uh hopefully this was uh, a thoughtful exploration of uh all the wonderful things that fdot has uh, been able to accomplish and uh what's on what's on the horizon Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out every single live Twitter space on our Twitter at 1.37pm.